ask and you shall receive. Whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive. If you ask, Jesus said, be anything in my name, I will do it. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Jesus promised all these things. And John, decades later, confirmed they were true. Whatever we ask, we receive from him. Have you heard the expression, proof texts? Proof texts. That's, it has to do with a good practice of finding scriptures that prove some point, like the scriptures that show that the Son, Jesus, is God, and the Holy Spirit is God, just like the Father is. Those are proof texts that we want to know. It's a good thing. The problem is that it's also easy to take scriptures in isolation, ignoring the context of the verse, and, and for that matter, all of scripture, and thus getting the meaning entirely wrong. And usually, these scripture clips that we just read, they are accompanied by give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. I love that old King Jim sound. <laughs> it's called the prosperity gospel. The vending machine God. All you got to do is put in enough money and you get whatever you want out. That's what they're telling you. It's also usually accompanied by put your prayer in and get your answer out. And if you don't get what you want, then the problem is that you just don't have enough faith. It's all about you. You're just going to have enough faith. For the prosperity gospel charlatans, the most important point, though, is put your money in. <laughs> oh, yeah, and you'll get more out. But they want you putting your money in. But we do have a problem, and we, we might say, and we'd be correct, that these people have it all wrong. But Jesus really did say, ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. He actually said that. So there's got to be something to this. And we all know it's, it's not just ask by the power of his name. Okay, It's Jesus that's powerful, not his name. It's him. <laughs> so for what are we to ask? You know, that's our thing. What is Jesus saying? Last time when we looked at John 16 and 19 through 33, we discovered that where Jesus was and when was not the issue. Who Jesus is, that's the issue. But when we looked at that scripture, we flew right past verses 23 to 27 without really considering what Jesus meant. Today we want to look at them closely. Particularly the word ask. And, okay, well, it's the words ask. It happens that in Greek there are two different Greek words used here. And, and that's where we will begin our understanding. So first, let's read it. In that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive that your joy may be full. I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day, you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. The first and the last occurrence of our English word ask come from one Greek word and the four in the middle come from another. So what is John saying Jesus meant? Now the first, Greek number 2065, means to interrogate. 
which could imply a request, uh, an appeal to the mind, an intellectual interaction. Now, sometimes it's used to mean beg. The beggar is trying to change the mind of the one that they hope to to give to them. But usually it has to do with thinking or learning. A student might ask the teacher. And the reverse might also be true. The lesser to the greater or the greater to the lesser. Uh, The one who knows to the one who doesn't or the other way around. Or even two equals in an intellectual interchange. The Greek word in its variants are far and away the most common Greek word translated ask in the New Testament. The other ask, Greek number 154, means to beg or call for or crave, desire, require. It's an appeal to action from someone in need to one who can fill that need. It's used just under 70 times by the New Testament writers, way less than the other one. But here, John uses it twice as much. So what's he trying to say? Now we're going to look at these words as they are used throughout the New Testament, particularly by John, since it is his Holy Spirit-inspired writing that we're considering. But before we get to those other ones, let's look at the words in this section that we just read. Jesus started this little section by saying, In that day you will ask nothing of me. With this first ask, Jesus wants us to know, or John wants us to know that Jesus was speaking of his teaching ministry with the disciples. It's that intellectual word. They need to ask to learn, but the way that they're going to ask is about to change. Jesus has been trying to get their minds to understand their need that he and the Father are willing to meet and that need in learning. That's why verse 25 is there. I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. Things are going to change. Jesus' direct human face-to-face teaching ministry with them is about over. In the future, he will, through the Holy Spirit, teach really directly to his disciples. By the way, a fun aside. This is a small step in the direction things will be in the new creation uh, in, in eternity for all of us. Not just the disciples, all of us. This is really exciting. But what about the second half of verse 23 and verse 24? We just skipped it, so let's go back to it. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. Now Jesus is speaking of the need, because you see, John uses that other Greek word, the beg type, asking three times here to make sure his hearers understand. The word that means something, someone who needs something hopes someone else will get it for them. I, you know, I got to get this from you or I'm not going to get it all. That's the word we're using here. So even the disciples, let alone the rest of the church, need to beg the Father in Jesus' name to meet their needs. And there are even more asks. Two more down in verse 26. And John uses them to teach us another very important point. In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will ask the Father in your behalf. He changes the words. Right there in the middle of the verse, he changes the words. The disciples beg the Father in Jesus' name. Jesus does not beg the Father. He simply makes an intellectual request. He just talks to them. The disciples are in need. Jesus is not. We are in need. 
And that need is met through Jesus. Because he's a peer of the Father. He's on the same level as the Father. We, <coughs> clearly, <laughs> are not. And you will not find that second Greek word, the begging word, the Greek one, it's never used by Jesus in speaking with the Father. Ever. John uses the other word, the intellectual, peer-to-peer ask. He records Jesus' long prayer in John 17. In the ESV translation, it's, it's translated pray in John 17, 9, 15, and 20, but never the begging one. Jesus does not have to beg the Father because the Father and the Son are equal in God. And, and we have to, we must understand that Jesus' relationship with the Father is as one of the persons of the Trinity. It's God to God. It's very, very important to know that. Our relationship to the Father is that of creature to creator. So clearly our asking must and should be different than that of Jesus. So, here's a summary of our progress so far. While talking with the eleven apostles who believed the night before he was betrayed, Jesus helped them to understand that there is asking and there is asking. (laughs) The way they learned up until then is going to change. Now their advancement in spiritual understanding will come through the Holy Spirit. They, and we, need to beg the Father for understanding. In our case, as we read the Scriptures, as they, and we, beg the Father, Jesus asks him as a member of the Trinity. Never does, ever, does Jesus have to beg the Father like we mere creatures do. Okay. Our first break. Take a deep breath. Ready? So we learned a lot, but with all this, the truth is we really don't know much more about how to ask or, or for what we can ask. So we have learned enough, though, to look into the rest of the New Testament and get a clear understanding. So let's look first at the idea of asking to learn, the intellectual word ask. Uh, Strong's number, Greek 2065 and also 1905 is a slight variant. And let's stop for a moment. The Strong's numbers. James Strong. He wanted to put together a good exegetical commentary on the Bible. He was born 200 years before the computer age, but he thought the right way to be. He could have been a computer guy. He assigned every Hebrew and every Greek word in the Bible a number. And every person who writes computer programs for the Bible since then has been excited because it just makes their job so much easier because now they've got numbers and they can use computers to do numbers. Have you ever watched or read the book or maybe watched the show The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? There's this enormous supercomputer that they ask things because it's just a huge supercomputer that learns, knows everything. So somebody comes up to the supercomputer once and its name is Deep Thought and it says, what is the meaning of life and the universe and everything? So the computer says, let me get back to you. So 7.5 million years later, <laughs> the computer comes back and he asks for everybody's attention in the whole known universe. And he says, I have found the meaning of life, the universe, and everything. And then Deep Thought says, it is 42. (laughs) Well, he's a computer. What else is he going to do? He's going to give you a number. That's what computers do. You didn't think that was a funny joke? I just thought that was hilarious. (laughs) That's that's what Dr. Strong, he was kind of like a walking computer. He thought in numbers, and there are some problems with his concordance. But his, his, it works. So we can look, and you can look in programs and that. You can look up these Greek words, number 2065 and 1905. 
So our first example for today, Jesus was teaching his disciples, saying to them, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men and they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days he will rise. But they did not understand the saying and were afraid to ask him. The disciples would have been greatly helped <laughs> if they had just understood this. You know, what do you mean they're going to kill you? You're the Son of God. You can't die uh, and raise. What if, how do you raise? How do you, I don't understand. You know, they didn't know. And it would have been great for them to know, but they didn't want to look stupid in front of all the other disciples. So none of them asked. Don't be afraid to ask. You've heard that expression, the only stupid question is the one you don't ask. Well, it's not quite true. I've heard some goodies. But uh, but you won't learn if you don't ask. I, I like Mark Twain. He said, we're all ignorant, just in different things. <laughs> and it's true. Of course, he also said, he also said, I would rather have my ignorance than another man's knowledge because I have so much more of it. <laughs> I thought that was too good. The wonderful thing about ignorance is not that we have so much of it, but it can be cured by the simple application of knowledge. All you got to do is ask. So don't be afraid to ask. And by the way, even Jesus, God in human form, asked so he could learn. Uh, really, seriously. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Not sure that Jesus as a human being could learn. You know, I, Jesus knows everything. We'll get to that. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. The Son of God became a man. He went through the processes that we need to. He had to learn. And if he was willing to ask questions so that he could learn, I think maybe we should as well. By the way, do you understand that the mind of Jesus now knows more than his brain can hold? It's true. The first time Dr. Jack Wilsey, uh, he, I, we were emailing exchange and he wrote that to me and he said, my brain hurts. <laughs> and I, mine too, trying to think about that. The mind of Jesus now knows, literally does know everything. and the, But the brain of Jesus can't hold everything. Yeah, I don't know either. But it's amazing. And uh, by the way, we should ask the question, but on the other hand, there's times when it might be best to uh, <clears throat> shut up and listen, you know. Uh, then some of the scribes answered, Teacher, you have spoken well, for they no longer dared to ask him any question. <laughs> the scribes were intellectual giants. And if you weren't sure of it, all you had to do was ask them, and they would tell you they were. <laughs> and they were well educated, but even they realized they were no match for Jesus, even in his human nature. Kind of like Jesus really was a know-it-all. <laughs> uh, and at first, the scribes thought that they knew more than Jesus. Shouldn't have that. No. And neither should we. Uh, to say it another way around, let's trust his word. Oh, I trust the scribes. You know, really? Have you ever heard anyone say, I know the Bible says this, but <laughs> we know the Bible says don't do that. No, don't do that. And then we do it. He tells us, do that. We don't really want to. So we say, do I really have to do that? We were asking, are you asking that? Are you kidding me? 
You know, let's not waste time asking questions that have already been answered in his word or second-guessing what is written there. You know, do what he says without asking. Do. Well, let's, get, let's get down to the do business here. The intellectual is fine and it's good and I love it, but what about material things? For what can we beg God? How should we ask God for things? That brings us to Strong's number, uh, Greek 154. And, and another little pause. Strong's numbers are really useful. But I wouldn't advise you to go out and buy a Strong's Analytical Concordance. If you want to, uh, there's one by Young. Uh, Young's is much, much better. I have literally worn mine out to the point where it has duct tape to hold it together now. Uh, but actually, there's even better things now that you can do online. I, I don't use my Young's anymore. It's, it's, I used it for about almost 30 years, but yeah, I don't need it anymore. Okay. Ask in the sense of beg. First, let's make sure we understand the relationship. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? The Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. To put it simply, she interpreted his offer to let her serve him as need on his part. She thought he was begging her for a drink. He showed her she was the one that needed to be begging for help. And he demonstrated it pretty conclusively shortly thereafter. That was an interesting story if you haven't read it recently. So always remember, we are the creatures. He is the creator. Not only must we serve him, but we're benefited by serving him. It's good for us. Do you, do you understand what the great sin of Satan was? Your heart is proud. You have said, I am a God. And his primary temptation to humans, you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Yeah. Never forget who is the creator and who are the creatures. And how that relates to how we ask God and or what we ask Him. And because our first parents sinned and we sinned, we next must remember that we are not usually on our own capable of even making the, right, the correct request. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. God wants to fulfill our requests, but only so far as they are good for us. You ever seen a, a really fat kid, I mean, little kid, really, really fat? And I'm not talking pudgy here, but I mean like grossly, medically obese. Uh, really, it's not the kid's fault. Okay? Because kids don't really, they, they can't really be trusted to choose the right food. Yeah, you know. And, and they don't have enough self-control to decide how much to eat. They, they really don't. Uh, Techie numbers, my pet peeves. Uh, parents who make it their primary goal to make their kids feel good. I think that's peeve number 37. Just don't do that. But the point is that we, to be perfectly frank, do not have enough knowledge or self-control to choose the right things for our eternal lives. And remember, everything we say and do here echoes into eternity. Everything we say and do here. And only our Creator really knows everything that's good for us. So we must be aligned with, in the name of Christ. 
we must ask in his name. Don't forget that in my name means, as a representative of, as a named person would want, as the named person would do. That's, it's not a magic formula. It's a lifestyle patterned after Christ. We studied a while ago. And how can we live a life patterned after Christ? If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. When we have an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, then our wishes become what his desires are. His desire for us. And we can beg for the right things. I don't know, we must live in him. It's a metaphor, a beautiful metaphor. We must live in him and his words must live in us. And this is obviously a lot more than just an intellectual comprehension of the text. The Bible must be an intimate part of our lives. I've said it before, but you do know that Satan knows the Bible better than you do. He has it entirely memorized and can quote it to you in any language you want. Does he live in Christ? Do Christ's words live in him? No, of course not. But how can we be sure that we even can live in Jesus' words you did not choose me. But I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. We can know the Father will listen to us because the Son chose us. We didn't choose him. You know, that's really good news and the reason is because <clears throat> we're kind of flaky. <laughs> Let's be honest. We're kind of flaky, but he's not. If He chose us, He will make it happen. It's going to be okay. And note, once again, ask in His name. Apparently, then, even though we are His, we could ask something contrary to His will. You know, well, maybe not you, but I know I could. (laughs) So, if we are capable of getting it wrong... How do we know if we're in His will? Maybe when we're out there doing His work and seeing the fruit of that work, beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do what pleases Him. When we have an intimate relationship with God, when His Word permeates our life, we will keep His commandments and do what pleases Him. And we will ask the right things of Him And our heart will not condemn us. Our own hearts will not condemn us. Okay, that's a lot. And before we dive into the last part of this asking thing, we better take a little break. And and while you're relaxing, I'll tell you a little story. This is a true story. My mom sent me a note in 2004. I found it a while ago. It was just after my dad's birthday. And apparently my sister and brother-in-law had thrown a party for Dad. So Julie brought the cake in and it had a, a seven and an eight candle on it. So Greg looked at it and he looked at my dad and said, Man, are you really 78? And Dad said, well, yeah, of course. And Greg quipped, Wow, you better put your Bible right by your nightstand and start studying for your finals. <laughs> yeah, you got to know Greg. He's a lot of fun. <laughs> So in an effort to study for our finals, we'll get some exact instruction on things which are good to ask Him. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, 
who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. Ask for wisdom for yourself. God's never going to say, what are you asking for wisdom for, you dimwit? I mean, he's not going to do that because he wants you to ask him. And God will give it to you. That's I should stop and tell you, by the way, wisdom is often given through experience. So when you ask God for wisdom, don't be surprised when something happens to make you learn. <laughs> I figured that one out pretty quick. I don't ask as much as I used to. <laughs> anyway. And then we can follow Paul, go a step further. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So ask for wisdom for other believers. Especially if they're driving you crazy. I mean, especially if they're annoying you. That's when you really need to ask for God to help them. And he might help you too. And maybe we'll be ready for even more yet. In your hearts, honor Christ, the Lord is holy. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. God uses agents gently and respectfully. Answer people's questions about Jesus. And by the way, they're an agent too. God is using in our lives, so remember that Someone may beg you for or even demand of you a reason for your faith. How come you can believe that? So always be ready. First, be sure you have a right understanding of Jesus Christ and then be up on your Bible study. Decades later, John wrote a letter where he once again used both Greek words for ask. Interesting. Listen. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask, and God will give him life. To those who commit sins that do not lead to death, there is sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. That word pray at the end there, is the same Greek word for intellectual thinking as. Don't ask. All the others are the begging kind. All of those in there are about the begging kind. So pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ that are sinning. Ask God to give them life according to his will. But that last word, pray, the intellectual ask, don't even think about praying for life for a person sinning a sin that leads to death. What kind of sin is that? I'm going to tell you right now, there's too much in this verse to explain right here. <laughs> and John doesn't give us a lot more in this text at all. The point is that we need is think carefully when you ask. There are some things we should not ask for. So, first ask for wisdom. And as long as we start into the do not, let's look a little more. What else should we not ask, not do in asking God? For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. The word demand is, yeah, you guessed it, the same as ask, but with a special emphasis that it's available in the Greek that gives it a stronger meaning. So give me a sign, God. Do it. Yet don't, don't do that. <laughs> don't ask for that sort of thing. Have you heard anybody say, well, if God wants me to believe in Him, then He should... Do this. Give me a new car. Give me a... I had one guy tell me that God would give me a wife. <laughs> no, I've met you. I wouldn't give you a wife. I don't know why God would. <laughs> Whatever. If God wants me to believe in Him, then He should do this. 
They're demanding a sign. They want God to perform for them. That's a really bad idea. You know, it's back to that creature-creator relationship. And it, it is okay to ask God to, to make things clear. Remember Gideon. But don't demand it. And he may not actually make it clear. You know that, right? But whatever you ask, know why you ask. James wrote, you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You have to ask, but make sure it's not just for yourself or your own passions. Make sure it is for God in Jesus' name, remember? And then let Him take care of you. There's, there's one specific kind of passion you have to watch out for. I mean, well, guys do a lot. Two of the disciples got in trouble with it. James and John said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, We are able. And Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink you will drink and with the baptism with which I am baptized you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. Don't ask to get glory for yourself. And this is really hard to avoid. I don't know. Guys want to be important. I don't know if you ladies can figure out. But guys want to be important. And all I can say is, how about let your importance be that the Son of God came to die for you. Personally, specifically for you, He came to die. That, that's importance enough, don't you think? Now, one day, God will give all who believe more glory than any of us could ever want. Wait for Him to take care of you in this as well. So somehow we must avoid seeking our own glory. And it's a difficult task. Uh, money, relationships, houses, cars. they All those things fall under this umbrella of letting God take care of you. We've got to do our part and we should try for the best people and things that God has made available for us. But be, but be careful. Well, you know how much pain people have caused themselves and others <laughs> by pushing for these things that their passions want. So please, trust God. And when you ask, remember God's not deaf. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need to before you ask Him. Pray then like this, our Father in Heaven. Hallowed be your name. If I just do enough good things, if I just pray enough, if I just believe enough, God will do things for me. You know, that's a lie from the pit of hell. I'm telling you right now. You do not have to perform for God. In the first place, who are we kidding? What could we possibly do that would be so great that God, the creator of the entire universe, would be impressed by it? <laughs> God loves you. And when you talk to Him, you don't have to heap up empty phrases. You don't, don't fill the prayer with words. Say what you mean. You need to be persistent. There's teaching in the Bible. Be persistent in approaching God. But remember that that prayer is about changing you, not about changing God. 
We'll break here. Back in the day when churches had deacons and, and in every service, a deacon was asked to pray the closing prayer. A certain pastor had to ask that deacon to pray. Everybody groaned. That guy, this guy was the most long-winded, wordy prayer you've ever heard. And you know, they just wanted to get home to lunch. But eventually one has to ask him. So he prayed. And he prayed. And he prayed. Man, he must have loved his own voice. Finally, after 20 minutes, he got to the Amen. And the congregation breathed a sigh and a long sigh, no longer held hostage by the prayer. And then, to their horror, they heard the pastor say, Brother, that was so good. Pray again for us. So another ten minutes goes by. And then they're shocked when the pastor says, Oh, better, brother, better. Pray again. Five more minutes. And then the congregation really begins to wonder, Once more, brother, once more. Finally, 90 seconds. And he's done. And the pastor says, That was so good, brother. Now, Never let us catch you that far behind on your prayer life again. <laughs> Have a reason for your prayer. That's... Oh. And in truth, public prayer is different from private prayer. So lay out your heart to God in private. Fervently beg for His favor and to learn His will. But let your mind, you know, set, let me set your mind at ease. The things God's going to do for you, He's going to do. Period. He's going to take care of you. The lie that we need to earn the favor of God, it's hard to resist. Come on, if we just ask enough, maybe we can earn it. Maybe we can prove we deserve it. But the good news is, this is really good news, you'll never deserve the favor of God. That's good news. Because for everyone who believes, he's going to give it to you anyway. You don't have to earn it. So keep your prayers consistent but simple and to the point. Just talk to God. And keep them in His will. Well, this is just the, the beginning study in asking. There are hundreds of asks in the New Testament alone. Besides those in the Old Testament. So there's a lot we can learn. And we need to learn. That. And to do that, we have to be brave enough to ask some questions even if we look foolish doing it. And true, sometimes we, we just need to sit and learn. <laughs> Keep our mouths shut. Particularly as we read His Word every day. Just absorb His Word every day. Don't miss a day. Even if you only get one verse, try never to miss a day. we got to bring our request to God. Not to beg Him for the things that we need. But don't forget what the relationship is like. That He's the Creator and we're the creatures. And we need to ask in Jesus' name, being in an intimate relationship with Him and with His Word, knowing He chose us, having that clear conscience that comes with doing His will. We need to be seeking for wisdom for ourselves, but also for others. Even praying for believers who are sinning, but never demanding that God do things for us or looking to satisfy ourselves or gain glory for ourselves. Certainly not trying to earn the things God wants to give us. But simply seeking to please the Father. I'd like to leave you with something the Apostle Paul wrote to a church that he loved and that loved him deeply. Now to him, who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, 
according to the power at work within us. To Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.